chapter 4 this morning. 1 Timothy chapter 4. While you're turning there, I wanted to wait till now to just share a couple of announcements with you. Um, just a reminder about our Tuesday night Bible study, having a great turnout on Tuesday night. We meet over in the cafeteria across the way, 7 o'clock on Tuesday nights. Of course, we have children's ministry. We have youth ministry on Tuesday night. So uh, just wanted to remind you about that. And just ask that you continue to pray about sort of um, what God has for us as a church as far as our future goes, whether it be a piece of land or some property or buildings somewhere, to just be in prayer about that. Uh, One of the reasons why we're putting out the uh, architectural renderings there in the back is just just to put it in the front of our mind to be praying about that really believe that the Lord is leading us that way. Um, A couple things I'd like to just share real quick. We didn't even realize as leaders until just a little while ago that, you know, we're paying rent for much more than just the auditorium on Sunday and the cafeteria on Tuesday. The children's classes, the youth classes, uh, Thursday nights now we're going to be having, you know, the women's Bible study here. So our rent per month here at Bash is getting up to almost $8,000 a month. And most people probably don't realize it's that much. So you figure what we could do for $8,000 a month to put it into something that's ours rather than just to rent. Uh, so anyway, just be praying about that. We really believe that this is a season that God is leading us to, and we're just asking him to lead us. We're not putting God in a box. We don't have any thing in mind. We're waiting for God to move, but we know we need to do this in prayer and be prayerful about this and be seeking the Lord in this. So I hope you'll pray along with me and we'll just see what God does. Uh, Today, we're going to be starting for the next three weeks at the end of the service to hear from our uh, missionaries from our youth group. Uh, They want to give a report and we want them to give a report about what God did with them and through them in their missionary journeys. And so that starts today um, with Nikki, and then next week will be Stephanie, and then the following week will be Lindsay, I believe in that order. And so we'll be hearing from them as well. Also today, we began sign-ups for our marriage getaway at the Buttes on September 20th and 21st. And uh, my prayer goal is 30 couples this year. The first two years, we've had 25. I'd like to see us have 30 couples this year. And the theme this year is how married do you want to be? We're going to have a blast. In fact, if you talk to other couples who've went the first couple years, you will find out that, I mean, we laugh till we cry. It is just a great time together. And so if you're interested, Jill uh, will be at the back there by the information table You can either sign up today or she can give you some information about the marriage getaway. Again, that's September 20th and 21st at the Buttes. Today, 1 Timothy chapter 4. Before we read these few verses we're going to be looking at this morning, remember, obviously, in the context, this is built on what we looked at last week. And one of the main things I wanted to bring into this week is this. Paul's going to begin to share with uh, Timothy and his congregation and with all Christians down through history about the dangers that are out there. 
In fact, he's going to give us a warning from the Holy Spirit about some things. And one of the great defenses that we have against uh, what dangers are out there is to be part of a local church that truly teaches the word and that we're connected with each other. Remember last week, one of the main points was Christians must have a proper estimation of and love for the local church. Because we learned last week that the local church is the household of God. We are God's family. We are to be brothers and sisters in Christ. Second, it is the church of the living God. We are the embodiment and expression of God himself in the flesh. And then we are the support and bulwark of the truth. And we learned about that. And when you and I are part of a local church, it's not necessarily, you know, 100% preventative of us falling into error in our Christian life. But certainly, when we are part of a local church where we're taught the Word of God and where we're interacting with other Christians who are in the Word of God, we have a lot less chance of getting into trouble spiritually than someone who's out there trying to do it on their own. And so I share all that, and let's come in now to 1 Timothy chapter 4, where we see the danger that Paul wants to express. He says, now the Spirit, the Spirit of God, God the Spirit, explicitly says that in the last days, some will desert the faith and occupy themselves with deceiving spirits and demonic teachings, influenced by the hypocrisy of liars whose consciences are seared. They will prohibit marriage and require abstinence from foods that God created to be received with thanksgiving by those who believe and know the truth. For every creation of God is good, and no food is to be rejected if it is received with thanksgiving. For it is sanctified by God's word and by prayer. First of all, we need to realize the danger. And Paul is saying to us as Christians, Are you hearing the Spirit's warning? Because God the Spirit is trying to warn us about something. He says that there in verse 1. The Spirit expressly, uh, he's saying, you know, he, he is pouring out this warning to his people. And as Christians, we should be in tune with the Spirit of God who lives within us. And let's remember something. Jesus himself taught that it is actually the Holy Spirit who is our ultimate teacher. Not any human teacher, but the Holy Spirit. And Jesus said, He will be the one who will guide you into all truth. And so we need to make sure that we are in tune and listening to the Holy Spirit who is warning us that in the latter times, in the times that are just preceding the return of Jesus Christ, the, the rapture of the church, things are going to get even worse. And the Bible talks about this. You could go to many different passages that teach on this. And and we believe that we are living in the latter days, in the latter times from a biblical perspective. And so therefore the Bible teaches that far from false teaching and all of this getting, getting less, that actually it's getting worse. 
And that's why we need to, in a sense, stay on top of things, spiritually speaking, and be on our toes and be vigilant and be alert and be in tune with the spirit and be part of a church where we're growing and we're hearing the truth and making sure that we're, uh, we're in the word of God every day so that we're growing and understanding things as well. Because God, the spirit is expressly, expressly saying that in the latter times, some, not all, but some will desert the faith. Wow. They will literally withdraw. They will literally depart from the faith. And let's remember here, because faith has the definite article in front of it, he's not talking here about the act of believing or putting our faith in something. When the Bible uses the word the faith, it's talking about that body of truth that God has entrusted to the church. He's talking about his word. And and the Spirit is saying to us, folks, we've got to wake up because as we get closer to the return of Christ, more and more people within the church, because how can you depart from something you didn't at one time embrace? That people within the church, there's going to be this growing number of people within the church who depart from the body of truth that God has revealed. And notice, Paul says, here's what happens. They begin to devote thought and attention to deceiving spirits and demonic teachings. And one of the things that the Bible teaches, and Paul again reminds us here, is that every human teacher, every human pastor, every human minister, anyone down through history who has stood up before any group of people and said, you know, I'm here to, in a sense, speak for God, that the Bible teaches that every person has a spirit, if you will, behind them. That it's not just a human teacher, some, somebody flesh and, and blood, like myself, who's up here teaching that there is a spirit an invisible, powerful spirit behind that teaching that is energizing that teaching, that is promoting that teaching through a human being. And either that teaching can trace itself back to God, the spirit, or it's going to trace itself back to some demonic spirit, some deceiving spirit. And Paul is simply saying that if, if we're not in tune with the word of God and, and we aren't in, throughout our Christian life growing to where we d- can differentiate when we hear something that's coming through a human being, but it's God's spirit or it's a deceiving demonic spirit that we need to throughout our Christian life be able to know the difference. And, and just... Right here, let me say that we as Christians have to get past the fact that because something is sold in a Christian bookstore or because a program is necessarily on a Christian station like TBN or that I'm listening to this and it's on a Christian radio station, that that automatically means it's safe. No. No, it doesn't. I don't watch too much TV, but every once in a while I'll flip it around and go to TBN. 
And I'll be honest, I, I can't watch that too long. Because I get so bothered by what I'm hearing, not all the time, but a lot of times on that Christian television station that doesn't line up with the Word of God. And I can go to Christian bookstores and buy books that supposedly are written by Christians, for Christians, or whatever, and I can begin to read and go, well, but the Bible doesn't say that. So, folks, I think what the Spirit is saying is, let's be careful here. Or else we're going to be deceived by a spirit that is much more powerful and much more intelligent than we are. And unless we're in tune with the Holy Spirit, who is greater in us than he who is in the world, then we're going to be duped by these demonic, strong, deceiving spirits that are behind all teaching that we hear. We're going to take a little tour through the New Testament this morning. Keep your finger in 1 Timothy and go over to the book of 1 John chapter 4. Towards the end of the New Testament, 1 John chapter 4. Verse 1. This is why John says in his letter, 1 John 4.1, Dear friends, do not believe every spirit. And again, remember, the Bible teaches that when it's using this, it's, it's assuming that we understand that we're not necessarily listening to some spirit, but we are listening to human beings all the time. And that there is a spirit behind the teaching and preaching of those human beings, whoever they are. And either that spirit can be traced back to God the Spirit, or it's going to be traced back to some demonic spirit. And we always need to make sure that we can differentiate where that teaching is coming from. And so he says, do not believe, do not be persuaded, do not be influenced by every spirit, but test the spirits. The word means to scrutinize, to examine carefully. Are we doing that, church? Are we doing that in our lives every day? Are we testing everything that we hear to determine, he says, if these things are from God? Because many false prophets, literally actors playing the part of speaking for God, have gone out into the world. By the way, the phrase gone out into the world means to be sent intentionally by who by satan himself to be sent intentionally to distract and draw attention to themselves and so john is saying christian are you hearing what the spirit is saying that in the latter times some are going to desert the faith and they're going to be occupied with deceiving spirits and demonic teachings and they're literally going to turn their back on God's revealed word. They're going to allow false teaching and things that don't line up with the word of God into their life. And unless you and I, according to John, are literally every day testing these spirits, then we're going to be some of those that allow things into our life that we shouldn't. And let's remember, if we're allowing teaching into our life that we shouldn't, not only is it going to negatively affect us, it's going to negatively affect everyone around us. That's how important this is. Some of you will say, well, how do I test the spirits? 
Go back with me to the book of Acts, chapter 17. The book of Acts, chapter 17, right after the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, Acts 17. I think this is as clear as anywhere in the Bible where it tells us, how do you test the spirits? I'm going to pick it up in verse 10 of Acts 17. Where the brothers sent Paul and Silas, two pretty good guys, right? Paul and Silas, solid Christians. And they sent them off to Berea at once during the night. And when they arrived, notice they immediately went to the Jewish synagogue because that's where people were that they were going to teach. And they started teaching immediately. But here's the key, verse 11. These Jews in Berea were more open-minded. I honestly don't like that translation. The the words in the Greek mean spiritually prosperous and well-off, is what it means. Why were they more spiritually prosperous and well-off in Berea than they were in Thessalonica? Here's why. For they eagerly received the message. Eagerly, with zeal and passion, received to embrace and hold close God's revelation. It was coming through Paul and Silas. But here's the difference. Examining the scriptures carefully every day to see if these things were so. Even with someone like a Paul, the Berean Christians didn't take it for granted that everything Paul said lined up with the scriptures. So guess what they were doing? Every After every message they heard, they went home and opened up their own Bibles, and and in a sense, became spiritual, biblical CSIs. Because if you study the Greek language, that's exactly what the word examine means here in verse 11. It means to literally sift through the evidence and investigate carefully, is what it means. See, God says, here's how you and I test the spirits. We let the word of God, we sift through the evidence, we sift through, we examine carefully. We're we're like this forensic examiner who goes into a crime scene and has to figure out exactly what happened and when it happened. And so they tear everything apart and they make sure that they get all the details so that they understand exactly what's going on. God is saying, that's exactly how Christians have to deal with everything they hear. They can't just take it for granted that because someone says, I'm speaking for God, that that means it lines up with Scripture. That it is our responsibility, every one of us as Christians, to go home and to sift through the evidence and to examine it carefully and to say, is this really what God's Word says? And folks, I will even say that till my dying breath about my own teaching ministry. Don't you ever dare take anything that I say and just because Pastor Jeff says it, you let it go. You have a responsibility before God to make sure that you check it out and go, is that really what God's word says? And you and I better do that with everything that we hear. That's how we test the spirits. We hear things 
And even people who claim this is of God, this is what the Bible teaches. Really? Then let's sift through the evidence. Let's study it for ourselves. Let's examine it carefully for ourselves and see. Because behind all this teaching and everything that I'm hearing, there's a spirit. And either that spirit is God the spirit or it is a demonic spirit that's trying to deceive me. And unless you and I stay on top of things, we're going to end up taking in things that really don't line up with the word of God. And we're going to say, yep, that's what the Bible teaches. That's what God says. And then we're going to talk about it to someone else and pass it. And that's why sometimes false teaching can just get spread like a wildfire. Because we start talking to others about things that really aren't in the Bible. And they go, oh, so-and-so, they're a Christian. They said it. I believe it too. We all get messed up. That's why Paul says to the Thessalonians, he says, examine everything carefully. First Thessalonians 5.21 and hold fast to that which is good. Again, that word examine carefully in the Greek language, same word that's used here in Acts 17.11. To sift through the evidence, to examine carefully, to become a biblical, spiritual CSI. And go, is that really what God's word said? So back to 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 1. This is how we can listen to the Spirit and not get caught up and depart from God's revealed truth in verse 1. And notice the very first word back in 1 Timothy 4, 2 is the word influenced. And that's what Paul is reminding Timothy of. Who's influencing us? And are we being influenced by the right people, by by the Spirit of God who's speaking through them? Or are we allowing demonic spirits and deceiving spirits to be using human beings to influence us? Where's the influence coming from and who's influencing us? Because all of us are being influenced. All of us are allowing people to speak into our lives. And we're either following and buying into and, and, and all of that by this or by that. And we've got to learn as Christians to make sure that, first of all, we're aware of the danger. That in a lot of times, more and more are going to depart from the faith. And instead of putting their, their you know, trust and, and their knowledge in what God's word says, they begin to listen to deceiving spirits and demonic teachings that have nothing to do with the scriptures. In fact, they contradict the scriptures. And unless we learn to examine the word of God carefully and examine everything that we hear based upon our own study of the word of God, we will be taken in. Now, in verse 2, he begins to describe who these people who are influencing them are like. The human beings. Not the spirit anymore, but the human being who's being used by a demonic spirit. First of all, he says they are hypocrites. Influenced by the hypocrisy. The word hypocrisy in the Bible just means an actor playing a part. They're not, they're not real or genuine at all. They're just an actor playing a part who stands up and says, I'm speaking for God, listen to me, but they're an actor playing a part. Next, he says they're liars because they speak falsely. They're not speaking according to God's truth. Third, their consciences are seared. Their human radar is unfeeling. It's dead. Literally, it's scar tissue. It's like when you and I get burnt 
if we got really burnt and there was scar tissue that that it's unfeeling it's dead there's no feeling there and and paul is saying you got to understand that these false teachers will look you right in the eye and they'll lie to you and they'll speak falsehood to you and they won't even care they're doing it because their conscience is dead There's no sensitivity anymore. There's no feeling. They don't even care that they're leading people astray from the word of God. And then he goes on to tell a little bit about, at least in Paul's day, what some of the teaching was. Now, again, this isn't all inclusive. False teaching can go into anything that doesn't agree with the scripture. But in Paul's day, here's some of the things that Paul wanted to make Timothy aware of. First of all, he says, they will prohibit marriage. Wait a minute. Wasn't God's idea the whole marriage thing? And isn't he the one that brought Adam and Eve together? And so now they're coming along and saying, no, don't get married. Now, obviously, it's also okay to be single. But don't go around prohibiting something and saying it's wrong. What God says is okay. And notice, in fact, in this passage, what you find from a lot of false teaching is that you actually have people out there who are being more restrictive than God is. Yeah, let me repeat that. It's what's called legalism. Or even down through history, what's called asceticism. Where Christians even, and and people who say they believe in God, somehow still think that even though they accepted Christ as their Savior, somehow I've got to punish myself for my sin and the things that I do. So somehow I've got to deny myself of the things that God says I should enjoy. And I should prohibit myself from doing these things that God says is okay, but somehow I think I shouldn't enjoy it. Because notice he also goes on to say, they not only prohibit marriage, They also require abstinence, keeping your distance from foods that God created to be received with thanksgiving by those who believe and know the truth. I knew I was going to enjoy this message today because we're going to talk about food. But we're going to talk about it from a scriptural standpoint. And, And what Paul is saying is, look, they're even coming along saying, oh, don't eat that. Don't eat that, even though God says it's okay to eat that. Why are we denying things? Why are we limiting ourselves when God says it's okay? Now, again, let's balance this. We're going to talk more about this as we go on. The foods that God here is talking about through Paul are foods that find its source in God. Things that God created. Sad today, there's a lot of food out there that is man-made, that doesn't come from God. So again, balance what Paul is saying here with other scripture. Because what Paul is teaching is simply, if God said it was good, and if you go back to the beginning in Genesis, the creation, God said, I made this, and it was good. And I made this, and it was good. 
And so these false teachers are coming along and basically now saying what God declared good isn't good. So don't eat it. And Paul's saying, whoa, 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 whoa. If God says it's good, then it's good. And it's okay. Now, I'm just going to read you a verse. You don't have to turn there. Here's what God said to Noah and his family when they got off the ark. You may eat any moving thing that lives. As I gave you the green plants, I now give you everything. So anything, any fruit, anything that God created there, any kind of plant, vegetation. And God even says anything that moves and lives, fair game. But in Paul's day, in Timothy's day, there were these deceiving spirits and demonic teachings that were coming along saying, God says it's okay to be married, it's good, it's one of my creations. No, it's not. God said, this food over here, it's good. Just be thankful for it, be grateful for it, eat it, enjoy it. No, no, don't do that. Deprive yourself, deny yourself. Keep your distance from that. And Paul is simply saying here back in 1 Timothy that if we truly believe and know the truth, then we won't be taken in by the teachings of man that is being energized by demonic spirits that don't line up with Scripture. But two very important things back in 1 Timothy 4.3. I not only have to know the truth, I have to believe the truth. I have to, it has to be both because I can know the truth, but yet not really buy into it, not really believe it, not really trust it, not really rely on it or depend upon it. And I'm still then set up to be deceived. I have to do both. I have to know enough about what God's word says, or as I tell Christians, look, none of us as Christians, no matter how much we grow and how much we learn of the word of God, we're ever going to know everything in this book, but we should know where to look for it. Or we can go to someone and go, hey, what, does the Bible say anything about such and such? I mean, even people that have five PhDs by their name, they don't know everything in that field that they've got a PhD, but they know where to find it. They know where to find the information that they're looking for. And God simply doesn't expect any of us as Christians to know everything in the Bible all the time, but he does expect us that when we hear things, to go to the word of God and examine it carefully and sift through the evidence to see, is that what the Bible says? And if we don't know where to go, then ask somebody or find out. And we've got plenty of Bible study tools out there that can help us to do that today so that we're not deceived. But let's move on. Because here's where we get into this food thing a little bit more. For every creation of God. Again, he's talking about food here. Well, a creation of God is something that finds its origin and source in God. So every creation of God is good. Precious, useful, suitable. And no food that finds its source in God is to be rejected if it is received with thanksgiving. See, here's the balance. Because in just a moment, Paul is going to remind Timothy and all Christians that 
when it comes to even eating and our food and our diet, that should be an act of worship. And that we are responsible as Christians for our food and what we eat and how we eat. Because as Christians, it's never to be about food. It's to be about God. And if God is having his rightful place in our life, then food, along with everything else in our life, will find its right place. But today, even amongst Christians, we have many Christians today who find their comfort in food rather than in God. And they use food as a coping mechanism rather than God. And they, they have a very unhealthy view of food, either positively or negatively. Either negatively, it's like, ooh, food. No. I mean, the wisest man who ever lived, Solomon, says like four or five times in the book of Ecclesiastes, enjoy your food. But the only way that we can enjoy our food, really enjoy it, is when our joy is in God. Then we can truly enjoy what God, the creator, has given us. And the Bible teaches us that every good and every perfect gift comes from him. And if it came from God, then it's good. Enjoy it, Solomon said. But we also need to have a proper understanding and discipline about our food and everything else in our life. And so that's why Paul is laying this down for Timothy. He's saying, look, if God created it, enjoy it. Don't feel bad about it. Obviously within moderation. And even though God didn't create brownies, yes, Jeff has a brownie every once in a while. You know that. But I try to make sure that if I eat a brownie, it's one brownie. It would not be good for Jeff to eat five brownies at a time. Because here's the other side of this, is our body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. And I've got to understand, even as a Christian, when it comes to even food, that is my eating and, and the way I take care of my body and everything, is it helping me to be an effective servant of Christ? Or is somehow my, my physical well-being holding me back from being the servant of God that God wants me to be? That's a question we all need to ask ourselves. And again, that has it's even beyond food. We could take every area of life, because here's what... Paul ends this with. He says, for it, verse 5, meaning the food that he just referred to in verse 4, it is sanctified by God's word and by prayer. What's Paul mean? Here's what he means. The word sanctified, or anytime you see the word sanctify, sanctified, sanctification, that's a worship word. That's a word that talks about our worship of God. And so don't miss what Paul's saying here. He's saying, do you realize that when we put God in his rightful place in our life, that even something like food, even something like eating and drinking becomes an act of worship to God? And we know that, Paul says, because of what the word of God and what our prayers do. Because hopefully, when we eat, we are thanking God. 
Notice something too, Paul says here very interestingly. We don't have to bless the food. If we're eating something that God's created and said it's good, it's already been blessed. We just have to thank God for it and know that it's from his hand that it came from in the first place. But Paul even says, even something as ordinary, as routine, as mundane, as eating can be an act of worship to God. That's why Paul said to the Corinthians in 1 Corinthians 10.31, whether you and I eat or drink or whatever we do, what? Do all to the glory of God. I mean, think about that. Reflect on that. That, that should blow you away like it blows me away. That means from God's perspective that God said it is possible for us as Christians to do something like eating and drinking and be able to do it to the glory of God. In other words, my eating is an act of worship to God. It should reflect God and who he is. It should elevate him. It should promote him. Even my eating and drinking. So you know what that tells me. That should elevate everything that we do in our life. Because is there really anything more ho-hum than eating and drinking? Although if you were around me sometimes when I eat and drink, it's not so ho-hum. I'm taking a bite of something going, hmm, man. God, thank you. Thank you for taste buds. Thank you that I can savor that. That's good. And you're good, God, because you gave us that. That's good. If something like eating and drinking can be done to the glory of God, then that raises the level of everything we do in life. You realize that, right? There is nothing routine and ordinary about our lives. Nothing. There's nothing ho-hum. There's nothing common about anything that a child of the living God does. If we are a child of the King, sons and daughters of God, then it raises our life to a whole different level because now we're able to look at our life biblically. And see that everything that we do has meaning to God and should have meaning to us. That there's no such thing as a life that's just, well, I just do this or I just do that or I'm just eating a meal. No. God says you can glorify God eating that meal. You can make that meal and, and drinking that drink an act of worship to your God. And if that's true about eating and drinking, then that's certainly true about everything else that we do as Christians. See, Paul is saying, when we truly get a biblical perspective on our lives and on how God views our life, it, it, it raises the, the value of everything that we do. And we shouldn't go through the day and then end the day and, you know, lay our head at the, on a pillow at night and almost think like, well, that was just a throwaway day because, you know, I didn't save, I didn't save anybody's life today or, you know, I, I didn't do some major big thing today. It doesn't matter. 
every day of our lives is important to God. Every day of our lives should be important to us. And we shouldn't measure our lives by, well, I didn't do this big thing or this big thing didn't happen. And therefore, oh, that was just a, just an everyday. I just got up, went to work, came home, you know. See, to God, our life is so precious and valuable and of great worth that God says, don't even let a meal go by to where you don't realize the connection that you have with me in that meal and what that meal can represent in your life and how everything in your life can begin to take on a whole new meaning because the word of God and our prayers to God literally sets those things apart and puts God in his rightful place. That's what Paul means when he says it, even food, is somehow sanctified by the word of God and by prayer. We live in an exciting time to be alive. There's no dull days around here in this world today. There are things happening all over this world. And you and I, again, if if we're listening to the Spirit of God, we know the days we're living in. And Paul is simply saying to us, are we in tune with the Spirit? Are we hearing what the Spirit is saying? And are we realizing that all these things we're taking in every day and and the people we're listening to and the books we're reading and the conversations and all of that and the teaching that we're getting? What's the spirit behind that? And is it truly your spirit, God? And how am I even going to know the difference? Do I know how to test the spirits? Do I know how to get into the word? Am I growing enough in the word to know how to examine and sift through the evidence to know whether this is coming from you or not? Because some are going to depart from the faith. They're literally going to become attracted by demonic teachings and deceiving spirits, and they're going to leave the church, and they're going to leave his word. And they're going to get caught in a trap and a snare. And let me say this. Just because you come to a church like this even, where I believe you hear the truth on a regular basis, that doesn't make anyone immune. We've had people who at one time were part of the oasis, who allowed other people to speak into their lives, And they began to open themselves up to teaching that did not agree with biblical teaching. And they went off and joined all kinds of crazy groups. I know from my own experience, deprogramming people out of cults for years. I saw this firsthand that most of the people that I dealt with and our organization dealt with, had some kind of Christian church background. They weren't unchurched people that didn't know the word of God. Most of the people that we dealt with were people that had an understanding some way of the word of God. And yet there was a point where they stopped examining carefully and checking things out and truly committed to the truth. And they bought in 
to a deceiving spirit and a demonic teaching, and it totally turned their world upside down and everyone around them. Are we listening to the warning of the Holy Spirit? And are we remembering that if I can eat and drink to the glory of God, that means everything I do in my life can be an act of worship to God. There is not one of you here today or one of you that is listening to my voice on podcast that should ever think that your life is just routine, ordinary, ho-hum. From God's perspective, there's nothing in our life that's common, ordinary, or ho-hum. It's all important to God. And it should all be important to us. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the warnings that you give us. And we pray, God, that as a church and as a people, that, Lord, we would have a proper perspective, a biblical perspective on things. Things even like food and things like marriage and anything that your word touches on. God, help us to make sure that we're, our viewpoint lines up with your viewpoint. Help us to be respectful about those invisible, powerful entities that are behind every human teacher, every human minister, every human spokesperson for God that's ever been on planet Earth. Help us to acknowledge that there is a spirit behind every teaching. And either that spirit can be traced to God the Spirit or some demonic spirit. Help us, Lord, to be able to learn and know the difference. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, folks, we're going to end with uh, 